0: It is the 21st of July, 2016. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media and Dave Davies from Beanstalk Beanstalk Internet Marketing. And uh, we're going to do things a little bit differently on the show today, which incidentally, I think, is show number 400. Um, We have have a guest on, J.R. Oaks. Um, but Jr. has well, he's going to have to do a hard stop at about two forty-five. So we're going to do the interview section of the show early, and we're going to talk about news and whatever's going on in the search world a little bit later. Um,
1: that cool with you, Dave? That's great with me. This is uh, you know what we're on a we're on a topic I love chatting about. So super happy to do it. Whatever order gets that done.
0: Cool thing about this being like a milestone show, our four hundredth show. Uh, you know, in the milestones, you, know, you look towards what you've done in the past, and also you really look towards the future. And the interview we're doing today, uh, J.R. Oaks, who's the director of strategy at uh, ConsultWebs in Raleigh, North Carolina. Yesterday, uh, J.R. published a piece in Search Engine Land. The piece was an experiment in trying to predict Google rankings. Uh, J.R. and a team... Used machine learning, they basically made their own algorithms to try to predict go- what Google's view of reality is. Uh, we have again director of strategy from Consultwebs, J.R. Oaks. He's also one of the co-founders of the incredibly successful Rally SEO Meetup group. J.R. Oaks, welcome to Web College.
2: Nice to be here, guys. I appreciate the opportunity.
0: Well, man, I mean, like, seriously, I read your article yesterday. It was, like, late afternoon. I wrote you through the contact format, Search Engine Land, and you replied, like, almost instantly, thank you for being here. It was, like, incredibly short notice.
2: Sure, sure.
0: But I'd, I'd read the piece in Search Engine Land, and, you know, we've talked about machine learning a number of times in the past. Obviously, we've talked about RankBrain a few times. We had Eric Enga on, uh, what was it, like, a month and a half ago, Dave?
1: Yep, that sounds about right.
0: And then you guys... um <laughs> do this experiment in, uh, well, using machine learning to try to predict where Google's going. Now, I want to talk about methodologies and the experiment and the who's and the why's and the how's, but before we jump into it all, we should probably talk about results first, because, you know, this is radio and people need to see this in front of them. And you got mixed results. 41% right. accurate, 41% disaccurate, and something remaining in the middle. <laughs>
2: Right, um, you know, one of the things is, uh, you know, uh, with how we did our results, and you know, a clock is right uh, uh, twice a day. Um, uh, we uh, we had to. Um, it's important that we looked at the forty percent true, forty-one percent true positive, and the forty percent kind of uh, uh, true negative, uh, so that you look at a balanced result. Uh, You know, and one thing I will clarify uh, before we get too far into this is um, I do not consider myself a a data scientist. Uh, There's a uh, I've talked to several data scientists and I've followed many data scientists. And this is a extremely deep uh, and very Wide, it's almost as widespread as SEO is in general with all the different uh, fundamentals in there. Um, uh, and I know that there are some incredibly smart people, which is one of the reasons we had to get help uh, from the beginning to be able to understand the, the, the more theoretical and mathematical side, as well as just someone that had a wide range of experience with different libraries, uh, um, because there is it is heavy math and it is heavy programming, uh, to be able to put together a model. So I just wanted well, to put that clarification out there. Well, indeed, there was a, there was a
0: number of people involved in the experiment, including uh, a Brazilian data scientist, uh, Alejandro uh, Simcovich, Simcovic, who, who you mentioned in the article. Uh, right. How many people were involved in the experiment?
2: Um, internal team members, and it was me, him, and some other uh, uh, data scientists that we uh, had gotten input from. So, uh okay. But the, I, I met um, uh, uh, Alejandro online because, you know, I was about a a year ago. I was looking at machine learning, and I heard nothing about it in the SEO space at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, uh, I noticed that Alejandro was working on some Kaggle competitions uh, with uh, search relevance and uh, more. Kind of large businesses uh, and more e-commerce type search relevance, uh, but also looking at other areas with regards to search marketing, and um, it, that was unique for him uh, in that a lot of other d- data scientists are interested or machine learning experts or data scientists are interested in you know large e-commerce or m- with machine learning in general, uh, speech, uh, natural language processing, uh, image recognition, video recognition, whatever, you know, are in a lot of different areas. But there was nobody really looking at relevance at that time, which is why he mm-hmm. was interesting to me.
0: Okay. So you get together with Alejandro and, uh, and, and I guess, other folks from your office. And right. according to the article, you use data that came from scraping, rank trackers, link tools, and a, a number of other tools Right. to see if you could um, create, you know, as you call them, features that allow right. you to predict how a page will, will will rank. Right. When you're looking at this kind of experiment, like you're sitting around the table or you're on on Skype talking about it, um, the enormity of it. I mean, how, how could you possibly get enough data to run this kind of experiment?
2: Um, what that was, I talked to several... Technical SEOs about it when we were looking at it, and that was the feedback. You're never going to get enough data, but to us, this wasn't. I, I didn't go into this experiment thinking that we were going to unlock the secrets of Google. It was just, you know, we're an we're a search marketing agency. Uh, we have invested tremendously in the past couple of years, just from a data standpoint. Uh, so even if we don't you know, know exactly what we're going to do with the data. We try to (laughs) compile and, uh, coordinate and, and, and use data, um, uh, and collect it, uh, so that when we have questions, we have it there uh, able to answer. So we're pretty good from a data collection standpoint in general. And we have, you know, engineers and and developers, um, who've been doing that internally, um, um, so, you know, we basically just went around and tried to ask ourselves, you know, what data could we find out there? You know, and luckily, you know, from the ranking perspective uh, or a keyword and to rank perspective, you know, GitStat makes that incredibly easy. Um, I, uh, I reached out to um, uh, Dixon at uh, uh, Majestic. And Sir
0: Dixon, I think. Yeah, he's, Sir,
2: am, Sir he's amazing. Uh, he, he gave me a tremendous amount of data sets uh, from a ranking perspective that allowed us just to basically, it was very clean, um, that allowed us to just bring it in, append it to the data that we had collected on the ranking uh, or on the individual sites. And then we built uh, crawlers uh, uh, to collect uh, data from each page, uh, sentiment, uh, um Um, uh, Entities, uh, topical keywords, uh, 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 just a lot of different data. But it it was a lot of, but we had to go through and do a a hell of a lot of cleaning uh, because during the data collection process, you know, (laughs) we just learned how many different, how hard it is that Google has (laughs) to (laughs) kind of make sense with their crawlers of just the randomness that's out there with the type of, of content that they crawl. Um, but that was, it took us a good, probably two months just to get the data in a format that we could actually do anything with it.
1: Now, first, I, I love what you said there just about, you know, I don't even, basically, I don't know what we'll do with this data, but we've got it. So we're keeping it like, <laughs> that's awesome. Um, when you were approaching this, uh, the methodology, um, where did you sort of view as a starting spot? And what I mean by that is, did you sort of start at the back where you're looking at what are all the possible factors that we could be dealing with? What are all the various data points that we might have access to? Okay, let's work our way forward and see how close we can get to the actual results Google's providing. Or did you start with those results and do an analysis of of sort of what might have been common among some of the top ranking sites? Same as, you know, traditional SEO, you know, that's, kind of what I would do you start at the top and work my way back. But when you're using machine learning, it might make more sense to start at the other end. So I, I'm really curious where you, where you started there.
2: Well, I'm, I mean, obviously me, me just like every other SEO has anecdotal evidence, uh, or just experience based evidence of what I know works. Uh, um, so, you know, uh, the first step we kind of went into it very naively, I would say, because our first step was, you know, a kitchen sink approach of just what data do we have access to, with the understanding that, you know, um, I, I think there's a, um, it, it was just what what data can we get in? Yeah, I even got you know, got server location, server. <laughs> uh, 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 longitude and latitude. It, it would really, let's just dump everything we can find about each of these, uh, um, uh, web pages, um, uh, into one huge data set. And it was a huge, just an incredibly huge data set at the end. Um, and then from there, you know, it was about, you know, can we engineer some additional features like, you know, how the, uh, are the keywords in the title, uh, the term frequency-inverse document frequency, um, uh, uh, you know, was a term in the page. You know, we we started to was a term in the headings of the page. Was a term in the, you know what I mean? Um, uh, uh, we started to engineer uh, some of those uh, uh, ad- additional features on top of that, but it was a kitchen sink approach. And you know, some of the some of the machine learning. Libraries will kind of let you run analysis about, you know, which features they uh, um, they um, think are more important than others, uh, especially XGBoost. Um, but um, uh, it was a kitchen sink approach, uh, and, and it, it wasn't like we de- said, you know, these 10 features are going to be the ones that are going to do this.
0: Okay, so... I'm trying to. I'm trying to imagine a kitchen sink full of ideas, and you're uh, using some here, taking some out. Um, I mean, it's not like you can mix and match or swap them in and out. But how long does the experiment have to run before you decide this factor may or may not be working, or has too much weight on it, or this factor needs to be changed? Like, how did you make those decisions?
2: Well, I mean, you'll basically. Uh, um run a a training set and then you'll get uh, a confusion matrix outside of that training set or an accuracy percentage. And, you know, like I said, we first, our first thing was we started off trying to predict a number and we just kept doing that, kept doing that. And then it was just, you know, we're never going to be doing that. So we kind of reformulated and said, okay, can we do, is it in top 10 or not top 10, which we were more successful there, but it is, it is basically getting the data set uh, running it through different uh, algorithms, um, with a lot of the algorithms uh, that you have, XGBoost, uh, recurrent neural networks, uh, gradient descent. Uh, there's probably there's a a ton of them out there. Um, not only do you have to get the right features in place, but you have to basically guess. Your this is my best guess that these are the features that would bear some importance on ranking, right? Or that mm-hmm. I've heard before may you know, obviously server location is an old one, right? But, the, you know, may at some point or may have some bearing on this and just to get all those in there. And then from there you basically have, you know, hundreds of parameters that you can tune in each model and you basically run it, uh, uh, check the, um, basically the score that the model uh, uh, spits out, then go back, retune the parameters, check the score, uh, and that just keeps the process of going until you kind of get the best score that you possibly can.
0: Okay, we're going to to take a break in two minutes. But before we go, I just want to want to ask a, a, a quick question. Um, two days ago, um, Eric from from Stone Temple Consulting put out a study showing an experiment showing the importance of uh, of links pointing to a website. The continued importance with Google.
2: Uh huh.
0: Um. In your experiment, were yeah. you able to find unique factors that you feel are more important or higher-weighted factors from Google's point of view? I, know it's, I a, it's a hard one to answer. I, I apologize for asking that way.
2: No, I, 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 I agree with Stone Temple's uh, study. I'll say that 100%. Uh, just in terms of the weighting that we saw, uh, keep in mind that we used uh, a few models in this. Um, mm-hmm. With with uh, one model, which is XGBoost, you're able to basically go through and say, okay, these are the these are the ty- feature types, and these are the actual features that contributed to this score, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, with recurrent neural networks, it's more of a black box in that you know. Uh, it's just a bunch of numbers and weights and a huge matrix that you really can't tell exactly what's driving that. Um, but we did go through each feature and do kind of a correlation analysis with that feature with respect to uh, to rank uh, to try to help us kind of define which features were going to be more important than others. Uh, links and I would say relevancy of content to the topic beyond just a keyword level are pretty important and the relevancy is one that I've kind of broken off in, and I'm studying that individually now.
0: Okay well we're gonna, have to, we're gonna have to come back to that in a few moments. I'm afraid we have to uh, take a quick break here on, uh, on Webcology. Jared can we get you to stick around for a few minutes? I know you got a hard stop around 240, 245 but sure. we want to talk about machine learning in the future and all that data that you guys have. But before okay. we do that, uh, friends, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media and Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing. You're listening to Webcology on cranberry.fm. It's the 21st of June, 2016, and we're going to be back after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology. will be back after this short break.
1: Visit FjordDigital.com or call 612-877-3840 and get the support and protection your website and business deserve. That's F-J-O-R-G-E-Digital.com.
0: Are you paying too much for your paid advertising? Or have you quit altogether because it seemed like a huge waste of money? Studies show that companies waste 25% of their PPC spend on average, The web marketing experts at WMETraining.com can show you how to make your AdWords account a lean, mean converting machine. Whether you're just starting out or want to take your skills to the next level, we have a class for you. Contact the web marketing experts at WMETraining.com. at BruceClay.com
1: A more refreshing kind of talk radio Cranberry Radio Cranberry.fm Webcology takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the Internet. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger
2: and Dave Davies.
0: Hey everyone, welcome back to Webcology here on Cranberry.fm. It's the 21st of July, 2016. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Media and Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing. And we have on the line with us Director of Strategy at ConsultWebs in Raleigh, North Carolina, J.R. Oaks. JR is talking to us about a machine learning experiment that uh, webs conducted to, you know, try to figure out if machine learning could accurately predict how Google's going to rank uh, websites. Um, JR, we've been talking about a lot of heady stuff. And it's, you know, it's hard to tell exactly where we left off. So let's uh, sort of to get the audience primed back into it. Was your experiment a success?
2: Um. Hm. I would say yes and no. Um the the experiment was a success in that I think that we showed that there was some able ability to do prediction with available data on Google results. But I also think that it was a very small relatively small sample, especially compared with just the enormity that is uh, what uh, is available from a keyword and content perspective on the Internet. Um, And to a certain extent, it's not scalable um, because even with our data set and how we handled content, uh, it doesn't do a good job on handling new terms, new topics, new words. Uh, that it and and new uh, um, keywords <laughs> that it's never seen before.
0: So that, that's uh, a nice machine you got there, but it ain't no rank brain. That's what you're trying to say.
2: It's it's yeah. It, I don't want to put it out there that that you know we've we've cracked Google because it that's that's the opposite of what we've done. I, I think, like I said at the beginning, you know, I we didn't get into this to think that we were going to. Uh, 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 we were going to have the magic bullet with SEO when we could all, you know, take uh, vacations for the rest of the year and just put it on autopilot. pilot. Um, it, it was more about, you know, just learning and trying to understand how machine learning works, the different libraries, uh, and getting ourselves involved in that process and giving us just a fun project to try to learn with.
0: Something really salient you said, and by the way, I don't, I don't think your experiment could have failed because the experiment itself was, "Can this be done?" Right. So sure, no matter what the outcome, you got your answer. <laughs> right? You got an answer. But I think the most salient thing you said is in in, in your response was, "You see, in the future, how machine learning can be used to uh, to make predictive uh, to do predictive analysis moving forward." Um, I, I, I'm assuming that you're going to be using the data that you've collected and and, and more data as you collect it to run further experiments
2: that's right we um, we we took uh, this model and and hosted it and then uh, passed it around and did a kind of a wider swath of unknown <laughs> terms and you know um, you know it wasn't completely random at that point it it, it did show some promise but it Obviously, it's not something we could put out there as a tool that you can put your website in, and it's going to give you a accurate prediction uh, uh, 90% of the time of whether you're going to be in the top 10 or not. It was far from that, but um, I think the understanding and just reading through a lot of the patents and uh, and articles that Google Research is publishing, it does give you some understanding and some insights into kind of, what they're doing, uh, where they're heading, uh, and what they're looking at, especially in terms of rank brain and um, and uh, and content relevance, and even you know click through rate, and, and just how that process can work, because we've you know sort of been through the process on similar data, it is at a much 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 smaller scale something i want to make sure we cover
1: because it's a, it's what's really exciting because I, I know we, we can get into machine learning we can get into experiments like this um and, and some of our listeners may not understand maybe why i as an seo would be so excited or you as, as an <laughs> seo would be so excited um by this but also i think more importantly the incredible value that this actually that understanding it actually has uh right. for for the future of of what we're doing so i have a couple Question. One of them, I think our our listening audience will sort of glass over and go, I don't quite get why he's asking that, but I'm going to start with this one anyway. You talked about two core in in the piece, um, two core different types of algorithms, classification and regression. So maybe explain to our our listeners what those are, and I do have a follow-up question that will make it make more sense.
2: Okay. Um, Classification means that you want to put something in a specific class you want to take a set of features, which is just attributes around something, and then from those features, you want to be able to predict that it's going to be in one class or the other. Uh, so that is a very simple explanation for classification. Um, regression is typically used uh, to uh, uh, get to a... a, a uh, A number. I mean, a number can be classification because if you have ten classes of number, but it's more like height, uh, maybe the value of a stock. Um, But you're not trying to put something in one of a set number of classes, but you're trying to produce a number somewhere on the continuum of, of of possible numbers. So that's a fundamental. And
1: I think when a lot of us think of Google's algorithm, we are thinking of the more regression side of things. We think of it as a race to number one. We look at all these factors, dump them all in, um, and we have that sort of sort of approach to it, right? It's it's a race to one. There's a set number of factors, and, and off you go, and, and the one with the best result wins. Um, but classification, I think, would, would come in to... I suppose what, what you were con- sort of concluding or, or sort of getting at would come in a, a lot as well when we're dealing with Google trying to figure out, hey, is this a buy phrase where I should be showing shopping results? Is this local? So I should be firing in a map like both of these are equally important. So, right. What would you say like uh, when you were doing the experiment? And, and I mean, clearly you have a very, very solid understanding of, of the technology here what are the practical reasons. Why is this important for our listeners and, and for us as, as an industry to actually care and understand what machine learning is doing on Google's end? Even if the experiments may not yield you know, 100% accurate, why is an understanding of it important to us from a practical standpoint?
2: I'm really glad you, you asked that question. Um, uh, I, I think that um, uh, I read a Stat, and I can't attribute it the other right now, but it was uh, it's probably on Reddit. But it, we were talking about how we had uh, there was this this whole idea of you know jobs in America going overseas, right? I'm not meaning to make a political statement here, but you know one of the things that it was talking about was that automation has <laughs> taken away more jobs than have been lost through uh, sending jobs overseas. Um, so, I think at a very fundamental level, I think that we're there's so much <clears throat> energy from Google going into text generation, summarization, uh, categorization, um, uh, labeling images. There's a uh, in the article. There's a uh, a a a. Um, a uh, um, a GitHub repo called Neural Talk by Andre Kaparthi that basically, and you can actually host this and send it images, and it'll actually caption the image for you, right? So mm-hmm. for years, we've been doing, you know, going in and manually doing our our uh, alt tags. <laughs> and I know people say, not to say alt tags, but that's just how it's been said, the alt tags. <laughs> we've been manually going in and writing those, but, you know, it's not probably not too far away where that's not necessary anymore. I know Facebook's already working uh, or has machine learning models that automatically caption images for the visually impaired. Uh, so that one piece right there takes away an entire swath of work necessarily necessary by SEOs in general. Um, I think there's, um, obviously, there's a lot of energy going into text summarization. So, you know, think about never writing a title tag, <laughs> or a description for your site again, but you know, Google already, you know, changes some of the title tags as they see fit. So, uh, uh, you know, maybe Google gets better at doing that and having a competent competent summary of what's contained in the article and they don't want to use yours. Uh, I think there's, uh, um, Google's done, had released two big papers on text generation and summarization and, and, um, uh, uh, topic modeling over just the past six months. Uh, one where they threw 32 GPUs, processors, at the best text generation models out there uh, and got pretty interesting results. And text generation is just taking, is basically taking a corpus of data and then generating new text that somehow summarizes or kind of uh, uh, is is, uh, um, is readable <laughs> content that you know wasn't written by a human but you know you might not know that um uh so there's there's some pretty interesting stuff going on on google's end and i think you know ultimately i've been in the seo business long enough to know that you know uh google wants to keep you on their site and they want you to buy ads um so you know i think if you've already seen with the tech, tech snippets uh that they're uh that they're taking out of sites. If Google can provide the answer for the user, uh, you know, uh, they're going to. So I I just, I I think it's something that needs to be on SEO radar. Um, because there's so much research going on in so many areas that have impact for SEOs in different ways, um, that not at least having a fundamental understanding of what some of the pieces are. Uh, I think it might kind of catch them off guard, uh, in the upcoming years, because it's going so fast there.
1: Well, no way, like, uh, I mean, uh, you, could, you could hand TensorFlow to me in a great big server, and uh, you know, I could either ignore my clients and spend half a year figuring out what to do with it, <laughs> uh, right. you know, and, and, and many of us you know, wouldn't necessarily know even where to begin that process, me among them, um, to actually toying with it ourselves. But fortunately we've got people like you <laughs> who, are, who are doing a lot of this for us and, and Eric did, to his credit as well and, and some other people. Who do you what should we be watching? What do you, who do you think we should be sort of following, paying attention to? What what are we looking for to act if we want to actually try and keep up with what's going on and what we need to be preparing for in the future?
2: Um uh, well one thing I know that there's a lot passed around uh, about, um, uh, Google patents and such. But I think, you know, one thing is keeping a watch at research.google.com. Um, and just looking at the papers. I mean, they're pretty open about the papers. Some of the papers get, I mean, very technical and very in-depth, but they, most of all them, all of them have an abstract and a conclusion, uh, that's very readable. So you can kind of get a sense of kind of, where they're putting their energy especially from uh deep uh and uh uh and there's there's a lot of papers that have been re- released recently that have a lot of bearing on kind of what we're talking about here um the other place is uh is uh github and just to look at some of the libraries uh you can search for rnn which is recurrent neural network uh or um uh uh um, TensorFlow, uh, just to see some of the projects that people are working on. Uh, like I said, there's a hosted version of the um, the uh, image captioning library, which is, you know, we we hosted that and passed it around our team and had people play with it. And it was pretty, it was funny. Some of it was funny, but it was it was scary <laughs> as well that how accurate it was at certain of the images. So uh, that's something that, you know, you can have a developer put up in about 45 minutes and play around with Uh Um, so GitHub's another place just to kind of keep a look, uh, on some of the projects the, uh, around machine learning that are being, uh, actively worked on. Um, and the other place is Coursera. Uh, um, there's several great, uh, uh, courses there that are, uh, that are, uh, uh, pretty good at just giving people just a fundamental understanding of, uh, And You know, you don't have to take them for certification. You can just audit them and and just go through at least the portions that you feel comfortable understanding. Uh, um, But those would be a good start. Jay,
0: we're we're down to our last few minutes with you. Um, Before, I mean, this must have been uh, just an intimidating intimidating journey to jump into back in uh, late 2015 when you guys started. What are some of the core skills that, people would want to brush up on before jumping into machine learning?
2: Um, the, uh, um, you have to know, linear algebra is one that I had to brush up on, uh, and um, uh, uh, Python uh, is uh, a programming language that if you kind of want to do anything of merit within the field, you should learn that. Um, I I was very, I'm very good at PHP and very good at node and, uh, and at the start had minimal, um, working with, uh, Python, uh, other than just a few projects. And I started with R and got fairly competent, fairly fast with that. And then moved to Python to actually run some of the models
0: if, um, if, if you're in the SEO field, you got to be a pretty smart kid. I mean, like we're—I I think I can say this for for the vast majority of our listeners, we're all pretty smart kids here. How right. How steep was the learning curve for you?
2: Um, it, I think it's hard if you don't come out of pro—if you don't have some pro, pro, programming background. Well, I mean, number one, like if you're a technical SEO and don't have a programming background, I think that's enough hill <laughs> climb. Don't. Um, um, so I think going from no programming background to jumping into this is is hard. Um, If you have a programming background where at least you take time to do some development and workflow uh, some projects, and I think that helps you from a technical side and also makes something like this approachable. Um, But, I mean, to answer your question, uh, it it was a lot uh, and a lot of late nights and weekends and just staying at it trying to trying to get the models to work on a language that I wasn't exactly familiar with
0: but now you're over that hump and if you wanted to and then you're going to approach
2: that again it's uh, a lot less intimidating eh It eh, it's kind of like uh, <laughs> it's, intimi- it's, in, it's intimidating because you know it's kind of one of those things that you know you learn a lot but you also learn how much you don't know um uh, so I'm always trying try to stay humble in that respect of that. There's always more to learn and it gets, uh, and it just, the more you dig, the more you realize how big the hole is.
1: I know we've only got a, a couple minutes here. I'm going to try and jam in one more question before I know we need to let you go. Uh, before we need to take a break here. But one day, if you have to give one sort of tip to again, and, and I like going back to the practical here, to a webmaster, trying to, like, sort of gear for the future, figure out what they need to do with their site. Let's, notwithstanding, you may end up with a completely different structure where it's kind of building pieces themselves, like you were talking about earlier, but when you're building out your strategy right now, for a site five years from now, what, what should you be looking at, knowing that machine learning is getting more and more invasive into the algorithm?
2: Um... Wow, that's a, that's a hard question. Um, I, I'll tell you that machine learning is going to make it easier for Google to have confidence in getting data from your site and understanding things. Um, so this is, uh, I don't want to say this, but I'm going to say it. It is, <laughs> it is, I mean, I think you have to get really good at content and promotion, uh, You know, getting content seen, providing deep, authoritative content, because I think Google's going to be able to know if, you know, uh, they use click through rate uh, uh, as kind of an indicator or label for whether results are accurate. The other piece of that is relevance. Uh, Is it relevant to the query? So if they can understand if it's relevant and they have the click through rate to see if it's a result people care about, um, then that just leaves how good your content is and how good you are at getting it out in front of an audience so those are the areas I would focus on
0: well thank goodness because you know for about half an hour there I thought I was going to have to go back to like street kid counseling or flipping burgers (laughs) (laughs) J.R. Oaks man it has been fun having you on it's been a great conversation we're going to have to have you on um, as you're uh, running other experiments we're going to get results from other experiments Um, thank you so much for joining us and please say hey to the uh,
2: Rally SEO meetup group from us eh? I sure will. I appreciate the time, and I, I will let you know when we have. Uh, we plan to do a lot more experimenting. So I will we'll let you know. Excellent.
0: Thank you so much. Friends, that was J.R. Oaks, Director of uh, Strategy for ConsultWebs in Raleigh, North Carolina. Like I said, we've been doing the show a little bit backwards today because J.R. had to uh, get off for a uh, 245 meeting. We're going to uh, be going to break, come back, do a quick news roundup. I hope you got your Yahoo bids in, friends, because otherwise it's too late. On behalf of Dave Davison, B-Soccer Internet Marketing, this is Jim Edge Digital Ways Media. listen to Webcology on cranberry.fm, and we're back after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology will be back after this short break. So light the afterburners to the
1: domain name aftermarket and fly over to namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen introducing your new facebook marketing fix Online anytime. This is Cranberry Radio. Cranberry.fm. Webcology takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the Internet. Here are the host Jim Hedger and Dave Davies.
0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Webcology here on Cranberry Radio. That's Cranberry FM for those of you who see address bar. It is the 21st of July, 2016. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Voice Media, Dave Davies from Talking Internet Marketing. And, uh weird we're actually we're, we're rounding out the show now by going through a, <laughs> a little bit of news and dave you put up two stories one from theverge.com the other from bloomberg.com about google using ai to um well basically to build itself yeah i guess you know after you to, after talking to jr about machine learning for the last half hour um it's kind of cool uh what's google doing
1: well, there's a couple of neat stories going around right now that I was just reading this morning, um, one of which it was a few years back. I can't remember the, the specific year, but we remember uh, Google purchased DeepMind. Um, it cost them $600 million. Um, that's, a, that's a heavy chunk of change. I'm sure they've, they've used it for a bunch of things. But here's the, the fun one, because um, sometimes you go, hey... That was definitely a fantastic acquisition that you just made. They have actually started putting DeepMind and just finished an experiment, DeepMind in charge of regulating their power um, at one of their their data centers. Now, the company uses some, it's 4,402,836 megawatt hours. A lot of power. That was in, in 2014. Um, this is equivalent to the amount of power used by over 360,000 houses um, in, in, in the United States. So this is a lot of power that they're conserving, uh, consuming. They managed to reduce a 40% or, or deep, putting DeepMind in charge of regulating their power saw a 40% reduction in the amount of electricity needed for cooling. This is a 15th. I mean, anybody who's ever worked at a, at a data center will know. Um, this is one of the biggest expenses. Um, and if you didn't know, well, now you do. Um, this is, just running the air conditioning. Just running the air conditioning. Think about the amount of heat that like, the computer on your desk produces. <laughs> and, like, multiply that by these by these rooms. Um, so it's an overall 15% reduction. Anyway, this translates into hundreds of thousands or hundreds of millions of dollars per year of savings just in power. Well, they spent $600 million on it. So basically, in a couple of years, this thing's paid for itself, and they got the technology free. That's just a fun success story of AI, actually. You because know, we were talking about practical, and it's like, yeah, from a practical standpoint, they've just saved hundreds of millions of dollars a year, indeed, just on their electricity bill, which is kind of neat. But one of the more interesting stories on the AI, I mean, I find that one neat because it's actually like a practical application of a of an important technology. Um, but when we look at you know all the everybody's been putting out their their AI, you know, Google put out TensorFlow. Um, You know, Microsoft put its its own AI software out there. Facebook, all, all that. Everybody's put their put their stuff out there. TensorFlow hasn't been touched. But here's what I found: like as far as the number of people, now when we were talking to Jr., he'd mentioned GitHub. Um, and this is where developers would would look for information and also indicate an interest in a specific technology. Um, TensorFlow is at the, the it's like five times above the next highest competitor in, in the AI space. So, that's, mm-hmm. but here's what I find really really interesting: there are over twenty seven thousand people who are, are sort of following them with a with a clear interest in them on GitHub. Linux. <laughs> Is that, I can't remember the exact number, it's like 33,000. Like, basically, in, like, just a few months, they have almost caught up to Linux, who's been around since, since GitHub started. Like, <laughs> before GitHub started. Um, and, and, and is the primary, um, you know, sort of server technology used to power the web. I mean, yes, so, IIS, but it's, it's the most popular. Already, it has m- almost as much interest. As, yeah, so well. so I,
0: I hear you saying two things. One, and uh, if listeners uh, will we'll, we'll, we'll sit back and remember for a second how quickly Linux took off and became the operating system of Uber geeks. Mm-hmm. For the serious Uber geek who is done messing with their desktop and wants to mess with, say, artificial intelligence, Google's TensorFlow is by a factor of five times the most popular of all... Open AI systems out there, and these are these are systems like Microsoft has its system uh, CNTK, and uh, say Amazon has its uh, DD, DSS TNE. I don't know what that stands for exactly, but TensorFlow is again by a factor of five the most popular AI uh, available AI, and in just five or six months, it's become as or more popular on GitHub than the Linux group is.
1: Well, indeed, and what's really, really interesting, and I, it's, it's unfortunate, I can't even remember where I was reading this story, um, but it's actually become a concern for a lot of their competition because everybody, and we, we talked about this when, when they first released Tensor, TensorFlow, is the more developers are building stuff for it, the more data Google's collecting in a wider array of, of applications because, of course, they're, they're getting... A lot of the data back, um, so I mean, it, this puts them. They're already in the lead, and it puts them more in the lead. It's it's sort of along the but but treating data as as money. It's you know the rich get richer, right? But in this case, it's it's leading in AI. And they are the richest in AI information and they are getting richer and richer in the, the amount of data they're collecting based on the number of developers who are working. So it, it is a case of they pretty much, and I mean, there, there could be exceptions and there could be a new entry into the race, but they're pretty much set to win it at this point simply because so many people are already developing on it that it's, it's kind of almost too late to try and catch up unless something you know, earth shattering happens and somebody comes up with something so dramatically better. But you're competing against the, the minds at Google, who are putting vast energy into this. So it, it'd be tough to do that. Truly really phenomenal. Well, we have
0: we only got a couple minutes left. It's uh, an anniversary show, and it's it's a historic week in tech. And I'm afraid we have to mark this Monday was uh, the very last day to uh, get for corporations to get their bids in for the remnants of Yahoo. It was also the, the probably the very last. Quarterly report. Yahoo was going to uh, issue. They uh, they they lost money. Uh, spoiler alert. They lost money. Um... <laughs> You're not going to
1: get to play that very often, Brasco.
0: Nope. That was one of the last times you get to punch that button because it's down to Verizon, Quicken Loans, and Vector Capital Management. One of those three is going to grab Yahoo. All those patents, all that technology, a bunch of real estate in Sunnyvale, California, and whatever else is on the auction block. Um, and it looks like it's going for the low, low price of $4 billion. It's
1: incredible, eh? That is, I I know, it's, it's almost kind of sad at this point. Uh, when you when you reflect back, and we, we talked about it then a few years back when Microsoft was going to buy them. I can't remember the exact price. I think it was like thirty forty five
0: 45 something. Something billion. Yeah. yeah, now for 4
1: Yeah. And I well, find it funny that Microsoft's not even in the race at this point. They're just like, yeah, no.
0: <laughs> well, no, my, I mean, as we mentioned just like the last segment, Microsoft is already racing along on what we're talking about with Yahoo is like, you know, Web 1.0 and then Web even getting into Web 2.0. What we were talking about with J.R. Oaks and, uh, in a, you know, talking about with, with Google SensorFlow is Web 4.0, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. this is the stuff that has, and, and Yahoo's still back in the 1.0, 2.0 world. Right. So. That's some valuable content. But, and patents. And, oh, my goodness, you remember, like, um, that's all to be sending to me patents? Like, those are still valuable. They're still, still meat and them bones. Yeah very true anyway that's it but bottom line that's probably it for Yahoo it's probably over as yeah. of this week anyway friends speaking of it being probably over this is it for uh, for Webcology this week we're going to be back next week on behalf of Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media you've been listening to Webcology on Cranberry.fm that's Cranberry Radio for those of you who use Google We're going to be back next week. It is the 21st of July already. It's going to be a heat wave this week. Stay cool, but get outside and enjoy it. We'll talk to you next week.